0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges, with best-selling author, speaker, and motivational coach, April Joy Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she's gone from tragedy to triumph. She'll help you to do the same. Get empowered by taking a holistic approach. Now, here is your host, April Joy Ford.
2: Welcome, I'm April Joy Ford here on another episode on You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. You guys, I know I love to start out. Um, With each and every show, welcoming our guests and fans and listeners globally, because I do recognize and I appreciate you guys seeking answers and solutions to all of your situations and setbacks, and I'm really glad you guys tune in each and every week to really get some tools and insight to get empowered. So I'll just name a few cities here in the United States. We've got Phoenix listening, Los Angeles, San Diego, Houston, Milton, oh both Milton in Wisconsin and Milton in Vermont. Welcome, welcome. We've also have Atlanta. Baltimore, Fort Worth, Bellevue, Omaha, Nashville, San Jose, San Francisco. And let's cross the ocean here. We've got Brazil, China, Indonesia, Japan, Russia, Vietnam, Canada, Singapore, Philippines. Um, Just to name a few more regions. Uh, Did I say Brazil already? I said Brazil. Yeah, South uh, Africa. In Hong Kong, just to want to name a few regions out there. So our episode today is going to focus on minimalism, a documentary about important things. And before I bring on my guest, Ryan Nicodemus, I wanted to refresh you guys' memory on the four steps so that you guys can create your roadmap and blueprint to rise above life's challenges. One is to recognize the rubble that could be later barriers and roadblocks to your true fulfillment of joy um, and success and healing. And the second is to respond by creating a recovery plan. Three is to reevaluate the plan as you continue. And fourth and foremost is really rebalancing the relationships that bring meaning and value to your life. And we all know that it all starts within ourselves. First, To have that healthy relationship with us. So if you're ready to break through your barriers to take a holistic approach to find the powerful you and live your best life, get your downloadable uh, roadmap and blueprint at myjoygen.com or you can text the keyword joy to 38470. So that's my commercial for you guys today. So on with today's um, episode, I want you guys to think about some of these questions. Are you living or lived what's called a quote-unquote American dream to only find out that it costs you more than money? Maybe it costs you stress, anxiety, maybe depression, or a lot of debt, maybe strain in your relationships, or even time away from your kids. So how do you really live more with Less, our guest Ryan Nicodemus and his business partner, actually Joshua Fields Milburn, shared their journey on minimalism in a documentary about important things. And these guys have been getting a lot of traction in the media lately on this concept, featured on the Today Show, speaking on TED Talk, and now on tour in multiple cities and states. From minimalist architects to designers to musicians, businessmen and women authors, and even families, this film explores various recipes for how to live a more meaningful and deliberate life. Not a perfect life, not an easy life, just a simple one. So let's welcome Ryan Nicodemus to our show this week.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: Welcome, Ryan. So I see that you are on tour. Where are you calling in from today?
3: I am in San Francisco right now, one of my favorite places to be.
2: Nice, nice. Well, I know you have a pretty big following in the audience out there with readers um, who are reading your blog and your website, The Minimalist. but share with our You Are Not Alone audience your story on being, quote-unquote, rich and the pursuit mm-hmm. of happiness. How did this all start for you and your business partner, Joshua?
3: Well, you know, I think, uh, I think it started from a really early age, Um Growing up in a very uh, poor situation where um, there were there were uh, uh, just just a lot of poverty, a lot of government assistance, um, a lot of drug use uh, in, in, in my home. Um, I come from a you know a split home, um, so you know kind of kind of growing up, I, I grew up in a situation where all I really saw from from my, my mother's side of it, um, was, was a lot of poverty and drug use on my father's side of it, um, uh, not so much on the drug use, but, but still um, uh, always, him always uh, kind of buying these fixer uppers and, and uh, growing up with money problems, I saw this discontent that, that stemmed what seemed like was from the lack of money and was from the lack of stuff. And, and I remember just growing up, constantly telling myself, you know, that's not going to be me when I grow up. I am going to do my best to grow up where I'm not going to stress over money. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, talking to my, my father. He had a small painting and wallpaper business that I, I would work with him throughout the summers and stuff of high school. And I remember talking to him one day on, on one of these jobs. We were in a... And, and, someone's home. and we we live in Ohio in the Midwest. So there's a lot of nice homes out there. Um, and, and, you know, they're not super expensive. And, and, and I knew that, but I didn't really know how much a house was. You know, I'm just trying to learn growing up. And I asked my dad uh, as we're sitting in this very nice home where, you know, everyone looks, the pictures on the wall, everyone looks happy. They they seem like they have everything they want. The home is is, is clean. And, and I asked him, you know, how much do I have to make to own a house like this? And he goes, son, if you could make... Fifty thousand dollars a year, you could probably have a house like this. So that is that is what I sought out uh, to do, and um, eventually, um, uh, my my best friend Joshua, who who we've known since we were fat little fifth graders, um, eventually <laughs> he he hired me on to to be a, a telecom guy at this uh, telecommunications company, and and that's kind of where my, my journey uh, with with maximalism started, I guess. <laughs> You know,
2: the total opposite.
3: Yeah, I quickly started to earn fifty thousand dollars, and and that was great. But you know what? Um, I I wasn't happy. I I quickly found out that I needed to adjust for inflation. So I thought, well, maybe it's sixty five thousand, (laughs) or
0: just for
2: inflation. I
3: like that. Maybe it's maybe it's six figures, or maybe you know it's having a lot of stuff. And and I kind of went through this cycle for uh, about eight eight to ten years, and. It got to a point where, you know, I had everything I ever wanted. I, I had everything I was supposed to have, um, but but I was not happy. Um, and it was really, um, it was really strange for me um, because, you know, if you were to tell like my 18-year-old self what my 28-year-old self was going to have, I would have been like the most excited 18-year-old, like, wow, I'm going to have all that stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. I had a 2,000 square foot condo, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, uh Two living rooms. I had no idea why a single guy would need two living rooms, but but yes, yeah, so on the outside I had it all, and um, I, I instead of having happiness, instead of having contentment, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of stress. I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of debt, and it got to a point where I, I knew something had to change, and I had noticed um, uh, Joshua, uh, my, my my co-author. I noticed uh, at the time, um, we were both working at the same uh, corporation, and I noticed that he had all of a sudden kind of been a lot happier than me. And it didn't really, it didn't really make any sense because, you know, we had both climbed the corporate ladder together. We had uh, both, you know, wasted our, our 20s <laughs> at this corporation. And, and he was just as miserable as, as I was. And, and to boot, his, his mom had passed away, and his marriage uh-huh. ended both in the same month. So, you know, he wasn't supposed to be happy. And, and, and I, I thought to myself, well, uh, he's doing something different. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him out to lunch and see, see what he's, what he's doing differently with his life. So, um, I took him out to a really, really nice restaurant. We went to Subway. And, uh, as we
2: were, <laughs> what a great friend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> as we were sitting there, uh, eating, eating our food, I looked up at him and I'm like, Josh, what is going on with you, man? Why the hell are you so happy? And he spent the next 20 minutes uh, telling me about this thing called minimalism. You know, I I, I hadn't really heard of the concept. Um, I thought he was going to tell me uh, something about, you know, some kind of antidepressant that his doctor had put him on. Um, I was looking for some kind of, you know, magic pill. and, And he was talking about simplifying his life. He was talking about, getting rid of the superfluous things in life to make room for what was most important. And, and that really uh, appealed to me. But, you know, not only that, he showed me this whole community of people who, who called themselves minimalist. He showed me this guy named Colin Wright. He was this uh, entrepreneur who traveled to a new country every four months uh, based upon the votes of his reader. And he had nothing with him but a backpack. And, you know, I didn't want to be like, a peripatetic writer or uh, be like a full-time traveler. But I did really appreciate how this thing called minimalism helped Colin to travel the world. And then he introduced me to people like uh, Courtney Carver, who was a 38-year-old wife and mother to a teenage daughter in Salt Lake City. And uh, there was this guy named Joshua Becker who was a um, a 36-year-old husband and father of three with a you know, full time job and <laughs> a car and the house mm-hmm. in the suburbs. And, uh, finally he showed me this guy named Leo Babalta. Now this was, he was pretty impressive to me. He had, he has, uh, six kids. So it's his wife and six kids. And, uh, they're this minimalist family. And, and what I noticed about this community of people is that they shared two things in common. Uh, first, they were all living meaningful lives. They were passionate and purpose-driven. They, they seemed much richer than, than the, uh, you know, so-called rich guys I worked with in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And second, they attribute their meaningful lives to this thing called minimalism. So I was like, all right, I'm in. Great. I look at Josh, and I, I, and, and I just kind of excitedly announced, like, all right, man, you know, this, this sounds really cool. Um, I, I, I love the concept. I'm in. I want to be a minimalist. Now what? Now what do I do? I didn't know really where to start. I didn't want to. I didn't want to spend, um, you know, months uh, paring down my things like Josh had. You know, that was that was great for him, but I needed faster results. You know, typical, right. uh, typical American yeah. <laughs> American well, let's, desire. Let's back
2: up a little bit here, uh, Ryan, for our audience that's listening, because I'm sure, you know, a large portion of the population is either. Where you once were when you were living or lived your American dream, but you, like you explained your backstory on growing up with a, you know, poverty or drug use, being in that quote-unquote poor situation, and for you, you thought the solution to fix that discontentment of lacking money would be to... Um, you know, get the corporate career and then go buy all this stuff. But did something else happen? Like did a curveball come your way to really allow you to reset your priorities or is it just the amount of debt and stress and anxiety?
3: Yeah, I think think the breaking point for me, April, was – it was. I had a. I had a really bad drug problem, drinking and, 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 and uh, rec, uh, drug drug uh, recreational drug use. Mm-hmm. I was at a point where I was spending anywhere from, you know, three thousand to uh, you know five or six thousand dollars a month on on drugs and alcohol, and and it got to a point where, um, I suppose, any anyone who has been. Uh, in a situation like that, who, who has an addictive personality or has gone through the same struggle, they know there's a point where the the drugs and alcohol uh, they stop um, making you feel good, and mm-hmm. it gets to a point where you know you start to you have to take them just to kind of make it through through a day, and and that is where I really um, I had a choice to make. I could have you know continued down that road, or or I could have uh, have done something to really. Um, help stop that, and and it started with me um, really finding out what was important in life. What did I want to uh, spend my time on? Because you know, if you would have asked me at the time, hey Ryan, what are your priorities? I would have said, well, my health. You know, that's definitely my priorities. Or my relationships. Those are those are those are my priorities. I really want to make sure that you know I got a good relationship with my my folks and my friends and, and the rest of my family. Or um, oh, that big passion project that I've been putting off for a year—that's mm-hmm. that, my—that's my priority. But but the fact was, is my priorities are what I did. It wasn't what I said that I did. And and I really needed to gain some leverage to figure out how to how to uh, actually make my priorities my actual priorities. So when this thing when this thing minimalism came along, that's you know that's when I, I thought to myself, great, this is a chance for me to take action. It's, it's funny. Um, you you talked about in the very beginning. I love those four steps that you have about you know how someone can can kind of live the, the life of their dreams. Um, and the the second step I believe you talked about was developing a plan. Uh, yeah, you respond rubble. by
2: creating a so, recovery plan.
3: Yeah, so <laughs> I saw the rubble, and, and and I and I knew that I had to develop a plan to get out, and um, that's that's what minimalism was for me. It, it kind of helped me form that plan. So. You know, when I said to Josh, like, I want to be a minimalist, Um, I'm in, what do I do? He he was like, hey, why don't, you know, why don't we, uh, you know, go through the stuff at your house and see, um, you know, what you use? And we were kind of pitching ideas back and forth. And finally, we came up with this crazy idea called a packing party where let's dive
2: let's dive deeper into that let's um, hold that thought and let our audience um, wait until we come back after the break because I do want to talk about the packing party because I think that is important as your like with your experience of kind of decluttering or simplifying your life so let's take a quick commercial break and we'll talk about the packing party as Ryan describes your world
1: motivate change succeed voice america do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down are you sick and tired of feeling depressed down and just plain unhappy get yourself out of this rut take action break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook you are not alone at myjoyagain.com this book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you start smiling again enjoy life and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you visit myjoyagain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470
0: The keyword, joy. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Change your world change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
1: You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is apriljford at joysofyog.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges.
2: We are back. Our guest today is Ryan Nicodemus, known as The Minimalist. And make sure you go to their website to check out the local listing since they are on tour right now about the documentary about the important thing. So just before the break, I asked Ryan, what was the tipping point in his life where he kind of, you know, had to reassess his life when he was really looking to, you know, find meaning and value in what's really important in life You know, he grew up thinking that the solution to being um, poor and poverty was really obtaining riches and success and acquiring a bunch of stuff. And he learned the hard way that it was really um, stress that he acquired anxiety, debt and um, addiction to um, drug abuse. And I can totally relate to your story, Ryan, because at one point. I too was climbing the corporate ladder. I had, you know, like the perfect career, six figure career. I had the houses, the cars, you know, well stamped passport. And then for me, that curveball, that tipping point came when I lost my husband at the age of 32, and I had to reassess okay. What's really important in life? What really does matter? I was grateful for all the things that I, you know, acquired and obtained coming from the childhood that I grew up in, but it just didn't fill that void. I mean, what do you think this void is that we're trying to really fulfill?
3: You know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of it has to do with you know just our evolutionary evolutionary background. Um, we we come from this. Hunting and gathering mentality, and uh, there was a point not that long ago where it was really important for us to um, gather and for us to hold on to things uh, as, as as much as we as much as we could for for survival reasons. And what has happened since uh, the early you know twentieth century, um, you know, I'm talking uh, you know post industrial or post industrial age, where we have gone from um, a culture of ownership to uh, mm-hmm. more of a culture of access. And um, I think that that is kind of where uh, we are tipping right now as a, uh, as a, as a society, especially um, in, in the United States, where you live in a place like New York City, you really don't have to own uh, much. You know, you've got a bed and a couch. I'm not saying that everyone in New York City should just own a bed and a couch. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but what but, but I'm is <laughs> that you you have to own a few things for your home, um, but by and by, like you have uh, access to to cars, you have you know multiple ways—cabs or Uber—or you've got public transit. Um, uh, not only that, places like um, cities like Toronto, they have they have literally have libraries opening up now um, that are uh, just stuff libraries where you can go and borrow a bread maker if you want to bake a cake or bake a loaf of bread and you don't own a bread maker and uh, uh, borrow it for however long you need it, and then you return it. Um, oh, so I, I think okay. that has a lot to do with it. You know, the other thing, too, is, is memories, certainly. Um, I, I know that's why I, I hold on to a lot of things, was that sentimental attachment. The, the feeling of, well, you know, this letter that my mother wrote me when I was a senior in high school, man, this really meant to, Meant, meant a lot to me, and it really, uh, you know, helped me feel really good in, in a time of need. And um, uh, somehow throwing, you know, uh, I'm speaking to a, something, you know, I, I struggle with specifically, you know, throwing a letter like that away from my mother. Um, it, at the time, it, it felt like maybe I was, you know, kind of getting rid of a memory. And, and, you know, what I had to realize was the memories aren't necessarily in the things. The memories are in us. And I don't Never. have to hold on yeah. to a uh, physical object to to, re, to remember a good time or to, to you know, to, uh, to, to recall that. I think things can yeah. certainly trigger memories. There's no doubt about that. Um, so, you know, for things like that, I would take pictures of or, uh, you know, if, if the, the letter I'm talking about specifically, I actually scanned it and uh, put, it on, uh, put it on my computer so I still have access to that if I want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that void, uh, comes, you know, it comes from a few different reasons.
2: But I think when you brought in a good point in terms of, like you said, from an evolutionary standpoint, um, where you describe hunting and gathering. But that's more of, you know, being in survival mode. I think our society has gone past survival mode into gluttony. Mm. It's like you, when you have over excess of things, that's beyond survival.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think marketing has a large part to do with it. Um, again, you know, there was a point uh, uh where marketing where advertisement was fulfilling a need and again early 20th century post industrial age marketing went from fulfilling a need to creating a a false need and and i certainly think that um that's one of those uh, another thing that can create a void i mean how many times do you need to see a commercial where there's a luxury car where a husband, you know, gets his wife a luxury car in the driveway with a big bow wrapped around it for Christmas, how many times does someone need to see that before they think, wow, you know, if I love my wife, this is what I'd do for her, or, you know, if my husband really loved me, this is what, this is what he would do for me. He would, he would, you know, put a big car or put a car with a big bow on it in the driveway. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that stuff will, that stuff will uh, seep into our subconscious. I mean, we, I read, a, uh, read an article this was a 2014 article, um, I believe it was in the New York Times, uh, who talked about how we see about five thousand, five thousand 5,000 advertisements a day. It's more than a million a year. And mm-hmm. uh, and certainly uh, seeing that, that much advertising is going to have some effect on how we look towards our own lives and how we look towards things. Mm-hmm.
2: Or just maybe acquiring you know, everybody's in this pursuit of happiness, you know, for you, Mm. you thought if you bought all this stuff, it would negate all those discontent and in, in fear of poverty and, and lack and being unhappy and stressed out growing up in your childhood. But to me, um, happiness, it, I think happiness is great. You know, we're all human beings. We're, we're emotional. We experience sadness, happiness, grief, and all those ranges of emotions. But to me, happiness really is mediocre. Um, I think we're really wired at a deeper level to find our contentment, fulfillment, meaning, purpose, and, and um, what was I going to say, passion and purpose with joy. So I yeah. encourage people to choose joy instead of just happiness because let's face it, you know we could be yeah. happy right now and then the next minute we could be sad, something could happen, or we could be angry. Yeah. Uh, being happy is just an emotion.
3: Yeah, I could not agree with you more, April. You know, I think some of the most, uh, or I, I think the most uh, dangerous trap that I have fallen into in my life is that pursuit of happiness, chasing mm-hmm. happiness. And, and that is exactly why I worked 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. That is why I forsook some of the most important uh, relationships of my life, why I forsook my health. It was all in the pursuit of that, that happiness, Mm-hmm. And I agree that happiness is more of an ephemeral, um, it's more of an ephemeral emotion. We're, you know, we're not meant to live in the manic, right? Like, if we were... Right. <laughs> a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we were meant to, you know, or if we were happy 100% of the time, you know, if you were to, like, uh, use, like, an X-Y graph and, you know, X being time and Y being the level of happiness... If you start really high on that wide side of it, uh, really happy, and you know, let's say a ten out of ten, and you stay that way for a week or for two weeks, that's uh, that's uh, eventually going to become someone's normal. And mm-hmm. and, and again, uh, that's that's why we're not meant to live in that manic state. You got to have you know the peaks in order, or you got to have the valleys in order to have the peaks. So yeah. happiness for me. It's it's not. Um, you're right. It's not the point. I think I think living a meaningful life. I think that for me, that is the point. That is what I strive after. And happiness is a is a byproduct of living a meaningful life.
2: Yeah, and I like that byproduct. And like for you, you said you shared. You you said what was the term? You said you adjusted for inflation. So basically, you oh, were yes. still trying to acquire right. more. Like, oh, maybe if I had if I bought this electronic, you'll be happy. You'll happy for an instant, but No, it's something else. So I'll get something else or
3: get more. It's it's funny, yeah. Buying that gadget, it's like (laughs) you know, you get you get a high off of it, but it's like a cocaine high where it doesn't last really that long past the checkout line. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a never-ending pursuit. Um, But yeah, I'll tell you when I had that packing party. That is really where. That's really where. Yeah, tell us um, about the
2: packing party. What, What is it?
3: Yeah, that is really where my perspective changed. So Josh and I. Uh, we decided to we decided to pack up all my stuff as if I were moving, and uh, we would uh, I would unpack things as I needed over the next three weeks. So Josh literally came over and he helped me pack up my clothes, my kitchenware, my towels, my TVs, my electronics, my frame photographs and paintings, uh, my toiletries, uh, even my wait, furniture. Wait, wait,
2: Let me get this straight. You packed, but you weren't moving <laughs> because I I hate packing and unpacking
3: <laughs> when I do move. No, that's exactly, that's exactly it. So we call it a packing party. See, you know, if, if Josh would have said, hey, I'm going to come over and pa- help you pack up all your stuff, that wouldn't have like, been very appealing. But if you put the party, you know, if you put the word party uh, at the end of anything, it makes it sound way more fun. <laughs> so, and then
2: you know, had a friend a- to help you with it. So that's, that's a good friend.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, after about nine hours and a few pizza deliveries, we had all that stuff packed. And uh, uh, again, we were just pretending like I was moving because the idea was over the next three weeks, if I was miserable, you know, if I was just like really, really upset that my stuff would have my paintings where I wanted them and I did have, you know, my accoutrements uh, laid out, you know, along the Mm -hmm. fireplace and along the the sofa table and the coffee table, you know, if, if I really wanted that stuff back, the idea was like, I could totally go and unpack everything if I really, really needed it, uh, if, I wanted, if I wanted to go back to my old life. But the idea was to really understand what am I using? What am I actually, uh, uh, what is actually um, adding value to my life? And at oh, the same- yeah, I'm
2: sure some of us can look at our garage <laughs> now, and I'll speak for myself. If I haven't used whatever's in those boxes, I tend to donate it. But for me, I don't know how it works for everybody. I kind of have to go through stages, like, I'll keep it there, and then I'll get rid of it for a few months, and then I'll go through it again. <laughs> it's not, I just can't purge all at once. That's too much oh, of a man, withdrawal.
3: This is like, well, most dangerous thing you can do with a box that's been sitting there for six months
0: <laughs> because it's
3: like you know that if someone you know, gave that box away, a uh, friend you know, took it in the middle of the night and, and you know, thought they were doing you a favor and donated everything, there's probably nothing in there that you would want to, you would really want to hold on to. But when we go back through it, there's always like, there's always something in there to be like, Oh, you know what? I might need that, <laughs> that second or third <laughs> spatula for my kitchen in case, you know, one of them gets in out case. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so, so um, I, you know, I, I uh, spent the next three weeks um, unpacking things as I needed it. And you can imagine I, you know, that first night I unpacked my toothbrush I unpacked some clothes for work. As time went on, I unpacked, you know, some uh, kitchenware. Uh, I unpacked, um, uh, you know, my Internet. <laughs> my, I unpacked some of, some of my – the furniture I actually used, I unpacked. And, um, you know, by the way, all the boxes were, like, marked really well, so I would know where to go. <laughs> um, so yeah. it was very easy for me to find my stuff. I, I, had, I was very systematic about it. But, but you know, by, by the end of those three weeks – I had 80% of my stuff still packed up, still in those boxes, just sitting there, unaccessed. I mean, all those things that were supposed to make me happy, they weren't doing their job. So yeah, that's when I decided, to, uh, I decided to donate and sell all of it. And for the first time in my life, I actually started to feel rich. I started to feel rich once I got everything out of the way to make room for everything that remained, And, you know, that's when I went to Josh and I was like, dude, I think, I think people are going to uh, get value out of, out of this story. Um, we should start a website like those other guys. So that's, that's really where we started. Start a metaphor. blog. <laughs> .com. Yeah. That's where we started it with, with, uh, <laughs> with that packing party. And, um, since then we've, we've had just an amazing privilege of, of sharing our story and sharing our recipe and, and sharing other people's recipes um, through our blog, and now um, we get to use a different vehicle. Uh, we, we have our documentary now, which is which is another way to kind of help people. You know, we're not trying to proselytize or you know convert anyone. I don't think you can do that uh, by definition anyway. But you know, we, we have another way to share our story to kind of share this recipe.
2: Great. And let's talk more about the documentary when we come back from our short break.
1: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Joyce Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org.
0: It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people? Your environment? Fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
1: You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is AprilJFord at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges.
2: All right, we are back with our guest Ryan today. So Ryan, before we talk about the documentary that you guys are on tour on, let's just clarify and set the stage for our audience that, you know, we're not trying to say it's quote unquote bad to have, you know, things in our lives or even nice things, but we just want to be aware and recognize, you know, some of our behaviors as far as compulsory consumption or over consumption and really set the priorities or reprioritize on what brings meaning and value to our life. What's really important when it comes to our own health, our own relationships, maybe it's contribution in the community. Um, So let's, let's talk about more on the documentary. And what is it about when you guys are on tour?
3: Um, Yeah. You know, I just, I'll I'll just say real quick. um, I'm really glad that you you clarified that because, the list of stuff that I have isn't necessarily the, uh, the, the list that everyone needs to have. Everyone is going to have um, their own recipe. And, and uh, you know, Josh and I, we, we like to share our recipe in hopes that there are a few ingredients there that people can kind of take and, and use on their own, for sure. But, but yes, you asked about the, uh, the tour with the documentary. And, yeah, right now um, we, are, we are gearing up to release our film. It actually comes out on May 24th. Uh, it will be out in uh, about 400 theaters between uh, uh, the United States and Canada. And, um, yeah, right now we're kind of making the, the, the media rounds and um, just kind of like meeting with, with uh, readers and, and people who have, um, uh, you know, who've come, they've come and seen our book events and stuff before. But, but yeah, we're going out and kind of doing this little tour before the premiere of it. If anyone wants to see the film, all they need to do is go to minimalismfilm.com and then they click on see the film and they can search uh, for their city to see where a showing of the documentary is or if there's not a showing in their city, um, there's also a way that they can actually request, request a screening um, from, from uh, minimalismfilm.com after they click on see the film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going great so far. Uh, you know, there's a very unfortunate stat uh, 49% of males in America uh, don't read books. And, you know, for the longest time, that is the only way Josh and I were really able to kind of get our, our story out there was through books. And now with this documentary, we have this other way to to uh, really get this, this message out there, which I think is really important for the times that we live in right now, especially with um, uh, the climate changing, uh, the environmental stuff we have going on. But not only that, but this, uh this dissatisfaction that that people are experiencing um you know we're one of the richest nations in the world and uh yet we have one of the highest depression rates and um i think there's there's a little bit of a disconnect there. there's something that that uh isn't isn't exactly right
2: yeah and I'd like to touch on that in just a few moments, but with the, give us some of the behind the scenes on the documentary. Is it more of yourself on the process that you went through, or did you guys interview other minimalists too in their life stories?
3: Yeah, so we, we have interviewed um, uh, <laughs> minimalist uh, architects. We've interviewed environmentalists. Uh, we even interviewed people from the sustainable fashion industry, economists neuroscientists, neuropsychologists, sociologists, tiny house designers and journalists, and uh, even a former Wall Street broker. So, so, you know, Josh and I are definitely um, a story in the, in the film, and it does talk about our journey uh, a little bit from, you know, this, these suit-and-tie corporate guys to minimalists. But you know, really, we didn't want we didn't want this movie to just be the, the Josh and Ryan show. So that's why we mm-hmm. did go out of our way to to interview so many uh, uh, just different types of people um, who who use simplicity in their lives to help live a more meaningful life.
2: Wow! Now, when people you know go to the website and see the filming, or maybe in their local area on a screening, or when you guys speak, you know how can you know, typically, how can others start? Like, where do they begin with this?
3: Yeah, that's that, that, that is uh, that, that's actually the first step. It's just kind of asking, okay, how can minimalism uh, help help me in my life? I think, you know, the how-to, you know, Josh and I could write uh, a million blog posts on, here's the 10 ways to declutter your closet, or here's the 47 <laughs> ways to declutter your office. Um, the how-to is important, um, but but the why-to, I feel like, is... Is definitely the most important part. So I would suggest that people start with a question. They should ask themselves, how might my life be better with less stuff? And for many people, it'll be, well, you know, I would be able to clean my house in under an hour. I know that was a huge benefit for me. Uh, just being able to, um, you know, go from spending a whole Sunday cleaning my home to getting mm-hmm. it done in under an hour. Or other people, uh, they might have, you know, the, the, they might be able to, you know, get rid of some debt and free up some time to work on that big passion project that they've been putting off a year. But, but there are certainly different benefits. And I think that people should really understand the, the why behind it first. And then, you know, if someone wants to, um, you know, start minimizing their lives. There's a, there's a few different approaches. You could, you know, you could certainly do what I did. You could do a packing party. Now, that, that is on the extreme side, um, I think, for a lot of people. You know, try telling that to a family of, of five or six uh, to pack up all their things and act like they're moving. Yeah. And, and unpack things yeah. day by day as they need it. That's probably not the most practical thing in the world. Um, but but there, there are, I know people who have done it. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, instead of, you know, having a packing party with an entire home... I know people who started with, like, just a, a, like a linen closet. You know, they oh, they room, started just one with, room at a time.
0: Just start, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, just a little piece at a time and said, okay, I'm going to have a packing party with this linen closet um, over the next three weeks, and I'm just going to, you know, kind of do this, this experiment. Um, I'll tell you something else that has worked for tens of thousands of our readers. Uh, we have um, something we, called, uh, we call the, the minimalism game. And um, anyone who's listening, can, they can read more about this. It's at com slash game, theminimalist.com slash game. And uh, they can read exactly how to play that, but uh, here's how it works. You know, we all know that decluttering is, is boring. Like, you know, no one's like wakes up and gets excited about decluttering. So we found a way to uh, make it, make it a little bit less boring um, by, by uh, adding some uh, friendly competition. So, Here's how the game works. You find a friend or family member or a coworker, someone who wants to uh, get rid of some of their stuff too. And you both agree to start on the first day of the month. So uh, May will be over here in a couple weeks. Uh, June 1st is going to be a great time to start. And you both agree to start on the first day of the month. And what you do is you get rid of one item on the first day of the month. And then on the second day of the month, you get rid of two items. And then the oh, third day of the month, okay. three items, fourth day of the month, four yeah. items, so forth and so on. So it starts out really easy, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> on, day, on day five, it's not that hard. But when you get to day, like, 18, it's like, oh, i got to get rid of 18 things today. And then the next day, 19, and then you get up to day, you know, 23. So the whole point of the game is, you know, whoever lasts the longest wins. So I've seen people bet, you know, dinners or, uh, or, or um, uh, these two best friends, uh, these two ladies, they basically whoever lost had to cook the other one like this really nice mm-hmm. meal for uh, their, their themselves and spouses. So you can pick anything you want. Um, so the winner uh, is the person who lasts the longest. But if both people make it to the end of the month, they both win because uh, they would have gotten rid of almost the, uh, about 500 items. So um and, and I like that
2: it's more of a, a sense of community, and it goes along with you know you are not alone, you don't have to do this alone. there is really a support network that you can um, rely on
3: yeah yeah it, it has definitely um uh, definitely worked for tens of thousands of our readers, and I agree I have seen uh, relationships um, grow uh, through 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 using this game, especially um you know when you're going through those sentimental things it's nice to have a have someone to go to and, and talk things through with. Mm-hmm.
2: And you mentioned, you know, there's a difference between how to. I mean, that's all the mechanics. You can write down all the five or ten, twenty-step process. But the really why to is important. Are you are you finding that it's it's beyond just like the mechanics because people are really adjusting their mindset right their mindset and their lifestyle um to be a minimalist and what what have you seen with with people's feedback on that as far as their mindset
3: yeah um you know the the why two is by far the most important part and, and i would say the why two is the most important part with with any any plan it's like you know, um, you can know your outcome, which I think is an important part of the plan, too. It's probably the first step is know your outcome. And uh, let's say my outcome is to earn a million dollars. Well, OK, that's that's that sounds like a, a pretty good outcome. If I don't really know why I want that million dollars, if it's, if it's, you know, only because I want to have a million dollars, um, that's not that's not really a recipe for success. Um, especially when those times come when, you know, you've got to put in the work to reach that outcome. Um, Knowing the why uh, certainly helps gain the leverage. And, you know, I've seen with many people uh, a lot of different reasons why. Um, I know that um, I've seen some folks come out to our events and, uh, you know, they've told us how it has saved um, their marriage or how it has saved friendships or how it's helped. Um, you know, them focus less on work and, and more time uh, with their kids. Um, for someone else, uh, you know, I, I've had people who were hoarders, you, you know, to, they, they could be on that show, Hoarders. Oh, literally. yeah, yeah. And, and um, they were able to ask themselves those important questions and, and really uh, understand why they wanted to stop hoarding. Yes, that, that hoard... Feels like a mess, and uh, no one wants to be around that. Um, but you know what? They they, they can't have friends over because they're so embarrassed of their homes, or mm-hmm. um, you know they they can't even um, have have their grandkids over because they're scared. You know that stuff is going to to fall on them. So everyone has their own reasons why um, they want to go down this path of minimalism. But but yeah, that is certainly the most important part, especially to get that leverage to, to take
2: the action. Wow. Yeah, I totally, absolutely agree. Now, earlier you had mentioned, um, a comment and I'd like for you to expand on it when you said, you know, America is one of the richest countries yet poor as far as, um, you know, internally, as far as our emotions or experiences of anxiety and depression, but do you think it has to do like kind of what we talked about on a before the commercial break, the differences between joy and happiness and maybe even going deeper than that, the sequence of um, success, the fulfillment of having that foundational piece of spirituality. Do you think that has to do with it as well?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think yes, when we, when we uh, have a, a definition of success Um, being something along the lines of what we see on TV when it comes to, um, you know, whether it's the Kardashians, and I'm not trying to call anyone out here, but, you know, if it's something like the Kardashians or, um, you know, some of the reality TV show where where people look rich and they look really, really Mm -hmm. happy, and that becomes the idea of success for people, um, I I think that can certainly uh, cause some depression. And I think that there is a lot uh, that, that does have, you know, a lot to do with the reason why people are feeling the discontent. You know, for me, success used to be, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be in control of, you know, over uh, $2 million worth of business. That was like kind of my goal. I wanted to do that before, Mm -hmm. uh, the age 30. Uh, And I did that. It was great. And, you know, I, I, managed all these retail stores and, um, I had a lot of people working for me and it was great, but, but, You know once I got there it, 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 I didn't feel successful, so I did you know have to re, reevaluate what, what success was for me and really, what I have found is I feel successful when when I'm growing and when I am contributing and and when i'm happy and, mm-hmm. and and when I say when I'm happy um, to, to be more clear on that, I think because people ask me often' like what is happiness to you what is happiness and I think happiness is when my short-term actions are aligning with, with my long-term values and beliefs. Like that's when I feel like I am mm. uh, living the most, uh, the most meaningful life that I can. And, 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 again, like I said, you know, happiness is kind of that, that byproduct. Um, mm. but, but yeah, certainly, um, getting caught chasing happiness or what we perceive happiness to be that can really, really get people, uh, get people down. Um, the other yeah. thing too, uh, that, you know, I think um, ha- the reason why people uh, kind of don't feel like they're happy is because they they are hit with those those media messages. And um, I know I was touching on this earlier, but just to reiterate, I mean, when we see, um, you know, uh, these beautiful 5,000 a day, you said? What's that?
2: You said it was 5,000 ads per day that we typically yeah, see? Yeah,
3: 5,000 wow. ads per day, yes, that we see. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 I know it's working because the average American household has 300,000 300, items in it. Now, I probably had a lot more than that, um, but, but that is the average American household. And uh, the, the, the advertisements are working, and it is making us believe that, yes, if we have these things, it's going to somehow fill that void a little bit. So yeah, yeah I think we um, right yeah. definitely need to re- need to reevaluate what what success is if, if they if they think it is is just going to be obtaining a lot of things or obtaining a lot of a lot of money.
2: Yeah. So, Ryan, um, in closing, two last things: who is this message mm-hmm. most appealing to, and then redirect our listeners to, again to your website to you know look at the local listings for the documentary or screenings and more about your blogs.
3: Yeah, so, um, you know, this is really appealing to anyone. I mean, we have had people from all different backgrounds, from uh, all people who fell on all different parts of the socioeconomic scale. I mean, literally uh, in 2012, when we went on our first book tour, we had, in Atlanta, we had some Occupy Wall Street people show up, and we had some major... Uh, it was this gentleman, a uh, major CEO, or I'm sorry, CEO of a major corporation, who they were both asking the same thing. How, how can we live a more meaningful life? Um, in St. Louis, I've had a 93-year-old grandmother, uh, uh, great-great-grandmother, bring uh, three generations of daughters, daughters with wow. her. Um, I, I, last night, I kid you not, at, at our documentary, an 11-year-old kid was there, um, who, awesome. who, uh, brought his father. Yeah. So it was really, really <laughs> cool. So this message, you know, it's not, it's not for anyone specifically. I think that's what's so great about it. Is it's very, um, it's very universal because nice. all that's demographics. Great. So if people want to find out more, they can go to the and they can just click on about, and they can kind of start there and read a little bit about, a bit about Josh and I, if they want to see the documentary, uh, all they need to do is go to MinimalismFilm.com and click on See the Film, and they can search for their city to see where a screening is, or if there's not a screening in their city, they can request a screening uh, to, to show there. So, that, again, that's MinimalismFilm.com, and then just click on uh, See the Film.
2: Alrighty, everybody. I hope that you have taken some great notes on the minimalism with our guest Ryan today that brings meaning and value to your life. I'd like to hear your feedback on implementing um, some of these strategies. Again, I'm April Joy Ford here on Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and the show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith and I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone I'll see you guys next week we appreciate
1: your joining us this week for you are not alone Please tune in for another edition with host April Joy Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week.